Welcome to Logical, I'm Tim Elliott, here once again in the Jumeirah Lakes Towers district with Ludmilla Yamalaba, managing partner at the legal firm Yamalaba and Plethka here in Dubai. And it's going to all be today about the UAE legal system. And what we're going to try to do, Ludmilla, is to break down the legal system into uh, bite-sized chunks. I have a dispute here in the Emirates. It's a small country. Lots of people think of Dubai as being the whole Emirates, but it's not quite that easy, is it? Indeed it isn't, and you're right. Um, for those living outside of the UAE, there is always, um, there's often uh, this connection between Dubai being the, the country, or there's understanding or belief that Dubai is the country. But um, it's, in fact, the country we're talking about is the UAE, mm. and the UAE has seven Emirates, and Dubai is just one of the seven Emirates. Uh, why it's relevant for the purposes of this discussion is that uh, we have different courts and different court systems depending on the emirate. Uh, in general, uh, what's important to highlight is the UAE is the civil law jurisdiction. The civil law jurisdiction is usually categorized uh, by virtue of relying much more on the, uh, uh, on the laws uh, versus court precedents. Um, so, and that's just a very high level comparison between the civil law jurisdiction and, and common law jurisdiction. Uh, so it's much more law-based versus precedence or court precedence-based. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, that uh, although the UAE is a very geographically very small country and uh, the country, the default system in the UAE is the civil law jurisdiction, we also have exceptions. And uh, the exceptions are two. In Dubai, the Emirate of Dubai, there is within this civil law jurisdiction, there's also another separate jurisdiction system, and that is called the DIFC courts, or the Dubai International Financial Center courts. The DIFC courts are actually based on common law jurisdiction, and um, uh, they are very different from the local courts, and I'll explain that shortly. Uh, but there is, um, and the DIFC courts have been in existence since 2006, so for quite a number of years. And in 2015, Abu Dhabi introduced a similar model. And that model is called ADGM courts, or Abu Dhabi Global Markets courts. And once again, it's very similar to the DIFC courts in many ways, but in particular because it is a common law jurisdiction. Uh, so uh, though we are a very small country, we have very complex legal systems, as, as you rightfully pointed out. Uh, we have civil law framework, and within that civil law framework, we have at least two exceptions that are common law. Now, just in relevant terms, the, the difference between civil laws and common laws and the difference between local courts and um, the DIFC courts and the ADGM courts, are uh, there are uh, several. Uh, one is that um, the civil law system in general is based on the Egyptian law, and pre previously to that it was a French uh, code of law. So a lot of the laws here as under the UAE civil law system are very similar to those in Egypt and in, even in France. Um, precedents, generally speaking, court precedents are not binding. And all the arguments are mainly based on laws and much uh, less so on the uh, the, the court precedents, at least in theory, and I'll come back to this particular point later. Uh, also, in, um, in the civil law jurisdiction, there are three systems or three types of courts. Uh, there is the court of first instance, court of appeal, and then there's court of cassation. Uh, what's very important to highlight is that in local courts under the UAE civil law system, the official language is Arabic. 
So everything that is argued in the courts has to be done in Arabic. And all the submissions are all obviously in Arabic and have to be legally translated. Uh, which means that just because I speak Arabic or I have someone in my office who speaks Arabic, if they do the translation of a document that I want to submit, that is not sufficient and that is not the right protocol. In fact, to submit documents to court, they have to be legally translated, which means they have to bear a stamp of a court-certified translator. Is this the case at DIFC courts or Abu Dhabi Global Market Courts? No, uh, the DIFC courts and Abu Dhabi Global Markets co uh, Courts or ADGM courts uh, for in the interest of simplicity, they're actually common law, so they're much more court precedent based right. and they are based on English laws and the official language in those two courts is English. And they only have two court levels, that is a court of first instance and then court of appeal. Uh, in the local courts, the the three stages of the courts, uh, and that is court of first instance, appeal, and court of cassation, the right to appeal uh, uh, two levels up is more or less automatic. So in other words, I cannot be refused if I lost at the court of first instance, I cannot be refused the right to appeal at the um, to the next level, and I cannot be refused to appeal my the appeal judgment to the court of cassation. In the DIFC courts and the ADGM courts, on the other hand, uh, the right of appeal is not automatic and you need to get the permission to appeal. So therefore, in most cases, if you have a DIFC or ADGM uh, court case, uh, the court of first instance is more or less, chances are, will be the final judgment and um, because most of the appeals are not necessarily granted. Uh, so the difference is quite significant, and it's spe especially significant because it's such a small country and uh, uh, we have so many different choices to turn to. I was going to say, and that makes it a very complex, it's a very diverse situation. Uh, so there are obviously a number of different court buildings in the UAE as well. Indeed, and that is a further complication, and that is you'd think, okay, I mentioned earlier we have seven emirates, and you would think that in terms of local courts, we just would have perhaps uh, one court of first instance and one court of appeal and one court of cassation. That is not so. In fact, we have, in the interest of simplicity, think of it as, as four court systems. And that is, um, so the UAE being the federal system has seven emirates. However, when the UAE came together, when the emirates, individual emirates came together, there was a choice to be made whether all of the emirates want to become part of the federal court system or federal judicial system, or whether they wanted to keep their own individual emirate uh, court systems. And originally, it was um, Dubai and Ras Al-Khaimah opted out of being part of the federal court system. And later, Abu Dhabi also opted out. So now you have these three emirates, uh, being Dubai, Ras al-Khaimah, and Abu Dhabi, which have their own court systems, uh, whereby, for example, they, you have the court of cassation is the ultimate and the final court for each one of those emirates. So if I have a dispute in Dubai, I go to the court of first instance and court of appeal and court of cassation, all of which are based in Dubai. And the Dubai court of cassation judgment is the final judgment, cannot be appealed anywhere else. So you cannot appeal the Dubai court of cassation judgment, for example, to the federal court. Now, a number of emirates opted in uh, into the federal system, the federal court system, and those emirates are Ajman, Sharjah, Amal Kuwait, and Fujairah. 
And that means even though for the Court of First Instance and the Court of Appeal, they have those two courts are uh, based in each one of those individual emirates. But for as far as the final court is concerned, and that is the Court of Cassation, if you ever want to, for example, appeal the Court of, Cassa uh, uh, court of Cassation uh, for a matter that is being litigated in Sharjah, then you would take it to the Federal Court of Cassation. So therefore, in simple terms, we have four Court of Cassation, that is Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Ras al-Khaimah, and the Federal Court. Uh, so, and why it's important is because, again, even though we are a very small country, if you have a case in Dubai, let's say an employment case, mm. it's not to say that you can take that case and litigate it, for example, in Abu Dhabi perhaps because you are based in Abu Dhabi or uh, or Abu Dhabi for some reason is more convenient for you. Uh, so it really is important to understand the underlying nature of the case before you decide where you bring the case, in which emirate and which court. So you can choose where to bring the case. I mean, to me, as an English native English speaker, it would make sense to use the DIFC courts, let's say, because I can understand that it will be in English that's going to help me. Is, is that the case? I can choose, if you like. Uh, yes and no. Uh, so for the most part, uh, these days, uh, many of the cases can be litigated in the DFC courts under certain uh, conditions, mm -hmm. uh, but there are a few exceptions. And um, let me uh, back up a little bit, because if you think about just the phrase, the DIFC courts, what is that? That's the Dubai International Financial Center courts. Now, the DIFC is a free zone, and historically, the belief was, and that was the, the, the truth for a while, is that unless you have a DIFC-based case, or you are a DIFC-based uh, party, or a case was in financial nature, then that court, the DIFC court, was not accessible or available to anybody else. So it was that that court was ultimately there to only litigate issues for DFC-based parties or DFC-based matters. So that was the, the original understanding, and, and in many ways the court was set up that way for the first part of its existence and that had limited jurisdiction, could only hear cases that were based um, in the DIFC. In 2011, the law was amended and allowing parties to contract into the DIFC. So let's say if uh, you have a trading company and uh, you want to be able to avail yourself of the, uh, the legal system before the DFC courts for reasons such as, for example, as you said, you want to litigate your dispute in English, you can do that, but you must include that language in, the, in your contract. So the condition is, now you can opt in, but the condition is that uh, you have to expressly opt in into the language, opt in into the DFC court by including specific language. And that's, and in fact, the DFC courts have on their website the, the exact language that you would want to include into the contract to make sure that you, uh, that you have the right to avail yourself of that jurisdiction when the time comes. And same for ADGM, uh, the, um, the option is now there. You don't necessarily need to have a connection to the DIFC. As long as you uh, mention it in the contract, then you will have the default jurisdiction. Now, there is uh, two more things to add. One is that even if you don't have, for some of the matters, even if you don't have specific language, but and you're not, for example, a DIFC party, 
or DFC-based party, but if part of your transaction did take place in the DIFC and you can establish that, that in of itself also gives you the right to claim jurisdiction under DFC courts. So for example, you and I, we want to sign a contract and uh, we are based outside of the DIFC. We have nothing to do with the DIFC, but on the day we we decide to execute that uh, contract. You and I meet at a coffee shop in the DIFC and we sign, you sign and I sign in the DIFC at a coffee shop. And let's say I paid for the coffee and I have a receipt on that day that shows, yes, we were here in the DIFC. And perhaps we even mentioned the date and the time on the contract when we signed. Uh, and uh, the 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 provision in the contract itself about the jurisdiction is vague enough. Perhaps it's just Dubai courts. Now we have a dispute. Where do we go to, go to court? Uh, we can uh, we can we can opt for the DIFC jurisdiction on the basis of uh, a the the, gen- the language in the contract is general enough because it's Dubai courts and let's face it the DIFC stands for Dubai International Financial Center so it is one of the Dubai courts and then B a part of the transaction took place in the DIFC and that is uh, we uh, signed the contract in the DIFC and in fact this particular principle it has become known as the coffee shop rule so this is not just a hypothetical uh, <laughs> and made-up example, but in fact, in the DFC courts, there is a, such principle as a coffee shop rule, and that is as long as you can establish any any nexus or any connection to the DIFC, I- including signing the contract or even talking a part of a contract while in the DFC, that would uh, warrant for you to claim jurisdiction under the DFC courts. And something as simple as a receipt from the coffee shop would go to evidence. Indeed, it would. It's an important piece of evidence. The coffee shop rule. <laughs> yes, the coffee shop rule. However, there are limitations. There are certain uh, disputes that cannot be brought into the DFC courts, and that is particular disputes that have, for example, there were certain other judicial departments have exclusive jurisdictions, such as rental disputes. Mm. Uh, so if you have a rental dispute and uh, you don't mention the DFC in particular, or, or the rental disputes, the, the default jurisdiction is... Um, in Dubai for RDC or Rental Dispute Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain employment cases as well. If you are not um, in, based in the DIFC, uh, then you're subject to the UAE federal law, employment law, and therefore you cannot bring a case uh, for employment in the DIFC if um, under the DFC employment law because they have a separate employment law. Uh, than the one that applies to all the other employees that are outside of the DIFC. Uh, But I will tell you, even that is changing. Uh, There are a number of uh, understandings and MOUs that are being signed between certain free zones and the DIFC courts, allowing parties to start bringing cases or at least opting uh, for the DIFC jurisdiction in certain cases, including employment. So even that is shifting. And that's just to add a little more color to already colorful jurisdictional framework here. It's it's becoming a full rainbow. Let's be honest. Let's just step outside of the DIFC for a second, um, where you have to argue a case in Arabic, present documentation in Arabic, and that has to be translated legally, professionally for the court. Um, if I spoke Arabic to the level necessary, could I represent myself? In short, yes, but not to the level of the Court of Cassation. In the Court of Cassation, okay. you do require to have an advocate. But remember, Court of Cassation is the third level. Uh, so, yes, until such time, until for the Court of First Instance, Court of Appeal, you can represent yourself. 
and uh, many people do, but certainly speaking Arabic is a huge advantage, but it is not so, it's not necessarily uh, mandatory because courts do provide for legal translators and um, that option is available, though the quality of translation perhaps is obviously will, will not be the same as if you spoke the Arab, uh, the language yourself and could communicate with the judge directly. But the difference here is that in local courts, most of the arguments uh, in civil matters and commercial matters are made on submissions, on written submissions. So therefore, there isn't really much oral advocacy that's going on before the judge. So it's not so important for you uh, to, uh, as a litigant, as a party to the dispute, to stand in front of the judge and argue your case because most of the hearings last only a few minutes. Mm. Uh, so all the arguments uh, the courts require that are submitted, all the arguments, all the evidence, or everything is submitted on the pleadings uh, that is in writing. So therefore, even speaking the language itself is, is not so important because for those limited hearings, the limited scope hearings, you can rely on legal translators uh, at the court, but for submissions to the court, that's where you really want to make sure that uh, all your submissions are the properly legally translated, or if you speak the language, then um, um, then you will have to make sure to put in all the arguments on paper, uh, and that's uh, that's that's a, that's an important um, element because a lot of people coming from different jurisdictions they expect the oral advocacy to be a big component of uh, cases here, but the judges, um, if you want to add anything, unless you want to add something new. Uh, to the matter, to the case, they will not even really um, give you much of a, an opportunity to, to speak or comment on your case because they want to make sure that everything that you want to add to the case is actually done in writing. When it comes to being in court with a court-appointed translator, could I, for example, go to court with a friend who speaks Arabic uh, and communicate with the judge in that way? Uh, would not be convenient, but in short, no, no. That's, <laughs> that's not an option. Uh, furthermore, what you made an example or you gave an example of an individual representing himself or herself before the judge. Yes. However, for companies, it's a little different because how can the, can the company represent itself before the courts? And the law on that particular point has changed recently. In the past, the company could only be represented either by the manager who was listed on the company's trade license and or through an advocate that is a lawyer. And that was the only way the company could represent itself. So therefore, if you have, even if you have a number of Arabic speakers at the company, but the person who was listed as a manager on the trade license was not, the company could not represent itself. The law was uh, changed recently, just a little bit like last year, and now companies actually can designate whoever they want from the company, whoever speaks Arabic, to represent them. Uh, so it became a little more flexible for companies to be able to represent themselves. Why this is important is because in the UAE, as of about, I think, 10 years uh, or so now, the right of audience before the local courts is reserved to um, the, the term that has become known as local advocates. And local advocates are, for the most part, UAE nationals. And this is by law. So just speaking Arabic or being a Arabic nationality is no longer sufficient to, uh, to have the right of audience before the judge. And that is to be an advocate or stand in front of the judge. You need to be an Emirati to have the right of audience. And there are a few exceptions. And the exceptions are those 
uh, those lawyers or those advocates who have been practi practicing in the EU legal system for 20 plus years. Um, so there could be a few Lebanese, Egyptian, Sudanese uh, advocates uh, mm -hmm. who are not UAE nationals, but who have the right of audience before local courts only by virtue of uh, being basically grandfathered into uh, into this position by virtue of their history with uh, with the courts here. But otherwise, the the right is reserved to the local advocates, and therefore you're limited in terms of your ability to source a lawyer, you're limited to hiring somebody uh, who only works for local advocacy, which means that not, not only are you not able to bring a friend, but you can't even necessarily hire a firm that doesn't have an advocacy license. And on that point, there's a difference between local advocates or advocacy license or advocates and legal consultants. And so my firm, for example, we're legal consultants. So we are lawyers, but we are, we are without the right of audience before the local judges. We're admitted in the DFC courts, and you could get admitted in ADGM, and we could do a lot of other litigation-type work. But in terms of standing in front of the judge and submitting documents on the letterhead, that is only reserved to advocates and not legal consultants. There are many more legal consultants uh, because uh, there are a number of foreign firms in the UAE uh, that have branches here. Uh, and so and many of those legal consultants have a lot of Arabic-speaking lawyers, but none of them can represent clients in court directly because they are not uh, advocates. Let's talk about fees. What are the differences in fees in the various different courts you've been talking about? The fees can actually be quite significant, and uh, one big difference is that in local courts we're talking about dirhams when the fees mm. are being quoted it's all in dirhams and that is the UAE local currency obviously in the DFC courts and ADGM we're talking about dollars okay. uh, so everything is done in in, uh, in dollars everything is quoted in dollars um, so right there it's the difference is fairly significant and uh, there are, depending on the type of cases you're filing, and for example, employment versus rental dispute versus commercial, uh, the, the fees are usually, these are the court fees, are usually set at a percentage, anywhere from 3.5% to 7.5%, depending on the case, and that is uh, of, of the claimed amount, but they're usually capped, and they can be capped at, at, at 20,000 dirhams, depending on the matter that, uh, or the nature of the case, or 35,000 dirhams. So in, I guess, in dollar terms, the maximum fee you would pay in the local courts is, let's say, $10,000, so that would 35,000 dirhams about. In the, the DFC, for example, everything is um, quoted in dollars, and the cap now, I believe, is $40,000. It used to be $20,000, now it's $40,000. Uh, so the, the the initial court fee is a lot higher. On top of that, in the DIFC, there is a fee for almost every hearing and most of the submissions that are made. So let's say there's a hearing. It's usually, again, the, the fees are in dollars, and it'd be $100, it'd be $500 per hearing, and so on and so forth. So depending on the nature of the case, depending on how long the case goes, the DIFC court may or may not be more expensive uh, again, depending on the, the amount at stake, uh, but equally so perhaps because everything costs money, every hearing costs money, uh, the, uh, I guess in theory, the, um, uh, the, um, the strategies or the philosophies that parties will be more incentivized to settle and not drag things out because everything does cost money. And depending on who the party is that asks for a particular claim or particular hearing, that party will have to advance fees. 
so it really uh, demotivates de people from uh, doing what we call in the U.S. motion practice, and that is just dragging uh, the, the court process out just uh, to gain more time. Uh, so gaining more time in the DIFC costs more money. That being said, once again, talking about fees in the DIFC, even though it's much more expensive, but the winner uh, gets the uh, can get uh, uh, attorney's fees recovered. Uh, so in other words, the loser would pay the, the winner's lawyer fees, uh, which is huge, uh, because in the, in the local courts, um, the law kind of provides for it, but in practice, the courts grant anywhere from 500 dirhams to, I think, 1,500 dirhams for, uh, for lawyer's fees. So effectively, there is no recovery of lawyer fees in local courts. In the DIFC, the threat is serious. And therefore, once again, the, the philosophy is, or at least the hope is, a theory that parties uh, should be more incentivized to want to settle because if you do file, for example, a frivolous case or a malicious case, or if you're just doing this to postpone your obli- payment of your obligation, then there is a fairly hefty penalty uh, at the end of the process should you lose. Just for the purposes of anybody listening now who's uh, not sure of the relationship between the dirham and the dollar, the dirham as a currency is pegged to the dollar, so it's 3.68 dirhams to the dollar. So as you said, $10,000 is 36,000 dirhams. Um, let's talk about some very specific cases just for a second. If I could throw these at you in a slightly more quick-fire fashion. Imagine I'm a Dubai International Financial Centre employee. Uh, could I go to the Labour Court to file a case? Great question, no. In short, no. So the DIFC courts have exclusive jurisdiction over their own employees. So if you're a DIFC employee, you can only go to the DIFC courts. Okay, conversely then, if I work in Dubai Media City, which is part of the TCOM free zone, very popular media free zone here, could I file with the DIFC Small Claims Tribunal if I have a dispute over, say, salary payment or something? And not right now, because right now the uh, the labor courts or the UAE uh, courts that are in charge of uh, hearing employment disputes have exclusive jurisdiction over all cases uh, of the employees that are subject to its laws. Uh, there are some uh, free zones that are working on some kind of an MOU with the DFC courts, but the TCOM, as an example, is not one of them for now. Okay. Let's just get back to the general differences in the UAE legal system, just really to sum up as much as anything. Um, And the the question in my mind is this, what would lead you to choose one system or one court over another? Are there any specific cases that you can cite uh, as examples that, uh, that highlight why you should choose one over the other? Uh, there are many examples. Uh, one particular example is, let's say, the small matters or small, uh, small um, or low valued matters. Um, so the small claims tribunal, such as a deal. Right, exactly. Court, that's, right. Yes. So, so let's say you have a claim for fifty thousand dirhams. Okay. It's a fairly, if we, in practical terms, it's not a very large amount. Going to the local courts is um, is fairly prohibitive because you need to f- uh, not only pay the court fees, the legal translation fees, you have to pay local advocates fees, and 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 for fifty thousand dirhams, uh, it's you know not many advocates want to take a case like that, and since you're trying to claim fifty thousand dirhams, you probably don't want to pay very much. Uh, and right now in the local courts, there isn't really a system for small claims um, uh, matters. 
The DFC, as you rightfully pointed out, does have under its umbrella, the court umbrella has a, a, called a, SD, a small claims tribunal, SCT, and that is exactly to hear these kind of small matters. And in that particular tribunal, parties can represent themselves. So you no longer need to worry about a local advocate. You don't need to translate anything. You can do things directly yourself. And in fact, for now at least, parties cannot bring in lawyers, which basically means parties represent themselves. And because of it, it's just a lot less formal and uh, a lot faster tribunal in terms of adjudicating disputes. And that's the whole premise, is that come to us with small matters where we'll be able to resolve them very quickly because we're not getting lawyers involved. We're not following very sort of high formalities. And um, so we'll, because of that, we'll be able to resolve them uh, yeah, within two weeks to four weeks, uh, which is exactly what you want when you have a small matter. So that's one example. Another example, let's say if you have a very complex financial case or a case that involves international companies uh, with a lot of documents and um, a lot of evidence and rather complex in its nature, uh, cases like that are perhaps uh, better to be brought in the DIFC courts where you don't have to re to translate uh, these volumes and volumes of documents and perhaps where judges might have seen cases similar to that because in the DIFC we have English trained judges, same in ADGM. So then we have a few local judges, but for the majority, it's since it's an English-based uh, court system, most of the judges are English trained and um, most of the judges are also extremely senior. Uh, these are judges from London, from Singapore, from Hong Kong, and uh, they are they have under their belts dozens of years of experience, so chances are they might have seen some of these more complex matters in the jurisdictions where they come from. So that's another example why you might, might want to bring a case uh, before, uh, before the DFC courts. Now, let's say you have an inheritance matter. And that, uh, that is the case you would not want to bring necessarily in the uh, in the DFC uh, because let's say it's uh, uh, it's much more about enforcement of um, uh, of a will, uh, and uh, th that means you have to go and and seize assets and or or deal with so many other third parties to try to uh, to change ownership of um, uh, of accounts. Uh, the DIFC court judgment, you cannot really act with that court judgment outside of the DIFC. So you need to go and convert it into a local court judgment before, so that it has any authority to, with regards to third parties. Uh, so there are certain cases where you, don't, you, you need to have a local judgment, you want to have a local judgment because it's a lot more efficient for you to enforce that judgment than having a DIFC court judgment. So that's another example. Uh, there are some, for example, where you want to rental disputes. You want to go to the rental dispute center because the judges there uh, are much more experienced in rental matters. Uh, and um, or if you have, for example, a property in Abu Dhabi, uh, would you want to bring a case in Dubai or would you want to bring a case in Abu Dhabi? Well, ultimately, you need to think about enforcement. Even though Dubai, if the contract provides for Dubai court, for example, as a jurisdiction, you could bring in, in Dubai, but ultimately you need to enforce that Dubai judgment and uh, you'll have to go to the Abu Dhabi court to enforce it. So perhaps a better strategy is to start the case in Abu Dhabi. And so examples go on. And every case is particular to that case. So it's something, look, simply put, you need to take advice. Absolutely, yes. And, and in many ways, even though it's a small country, there could be multiple choices mm. for every given case. But Miller, one thing that does concern me is in uh, legal disputes, it's 
much better practice to try to talk them through and sort them out without going uh, to court. Court is always, I guess, uh, seen as a final option. How is something like arbitration treated here in the UAE? Well, the uh, yes, the court should always be the final res- uh, resort, uh, and um, unfortunately, in most cases, it it, it is the only choice, mm. and that is because uh, what's called the alternative dispute resolution, or for example, mediation, um, is not. Uh, has not historically been very effective here. Okay. Uh, so in certain jurisdictions, for example, when you do file a court case, there is mandatory mediation where the judge says, okay, parties, stop, pause for X number of weeks. I want you to try to go and try to mediate it. Mediate me- means that basically amicably more or less settle the case. Uh, in uh, these jurisdictions for now, mediation does exist, but more as an administrative step. Uh, but uh, less so as a binding or or effective um, step in the process. Uh, so for now, whenever parties do have a dispute, in most cases, the case does end up uh, going to court uh, because alternative dispute resolution has not quite developed yet in the way it has perhaps in other jurisdictions. However, the courts are not always the only forum for dispute resolution. Uh, there's also arbitration. Arbitration, in simple terms, there is it's a sort of semi-private or semi-government body that is an alternative to court. But in order to avail oneself of arbitration, uh, the contract or the parties must specifically state uh, which arbitration center, under which laws, and where it's seated and such. So there's a very specific, every arbitration center has very specific language which it requires for the parties to include in order for them to avail themselves of the jurisdiction of that particular arbitration. The UAE, once again, has multiple arbitration centers. Uh, in Dubai, for example, we have Dubai International Arbitration Center, or otherwise known as DIAC. DIFC has its own arbitration center. Abu Dhabi uh, has its own arbitration, and then ADGM has its own arbitration, and so on and so forth. So even with regards to arbitration centers, which are an alternative uh, to courts, uh, we have a number of options. One final question, and this is really an outside looking in uh, perspective, I guess. If anybody's listening to this anywhere else in the world, um, is it advantageous to choose one court over another in terms of the judgment and how that's viewed internationally? It depends obviously on the parties and the matter at hand, but yes. Uh, For example, if let's say there's a dispute between, or there is, before we get to the dispute, there is a a contract or transaction between two parties, one of which is not UAE-based. Let's say uh, one is based in Malaysia and the other one is in the UAE. Uh, now, which jurisdiction do you choose? Which court do you choose? Obviously, if the transaction is happening here, it's natural to pick the UAE uh, in the event of a dispute. But mm. coming from Malaysia, you feel, well, I don't want to be subject to the, DFC, uh, to the UAE courts because I am a foreigner. And uh, so, therefore, there will be an, uh, I will be at a disadvantage because I'm not, I'm not a local entity. Well, in that particular case, um, DIFC, perhaps, or ADGM would be uh, an alternative because these courts are viewed as international courts. And therefore, at least in theory, uh, they have less of a bias as, um, I guess, in theory, again, a local court would have. So if you have a UAE national, for example, and a Malaysian national, and you bring a case in um, in the local court, perhaps there's at least a perception uh, of a bias. And this exists in all jurisdictions in the U.S. in particular. This is quite developed. 
and the forum shopping term has come exactly from from that. Uh, so in, um, uh, in in that case, uh, the DIFC, because it is, it, it prides itself much to be much more international and uh, therefore much more neutral, uh, that would be a huge advantage uh, for parties uh, because they don't, uh, not being, not having to argue in Arabic is obviously one massive advantage. The other one is just that it's, it's, it's an English type court. Now, and the further advantage, which is significant for many uh, parties and that is with the DFC court judgment you can enforce that judgment in many other jurisdictions outside of the UAE much easier than you would enforcing a UAE local court judgment and this is because again the DFC courts is a, it's an English-based court it's common law the judges are English trained judges and therefore the judgment when it's issued it's much more akin for example to what you, uh, you would expect to is have in an English court. And um, additionally, over the years, the AFC has signed a number of uh, what's called the MOUs or memorandums with different courts around the world. Uh, providing effectively for easier enforcement of the DFC court's judgments. So let's say if you have a DFC court judgment, you go to the UK with that judgment, it's a much easier process of enforcing it um, than it would be with an Arabic judgment. Uh, same, there is the same thing, uh, for example, with some of the courts in New York, with whom the DFC has signed MOUs and uh, a number of uh, courts in Asia, and so on and so forth. So in terms of the international enforceability of, the, uh, of judgments, the DIFC and the AGGM perhaps are better forums or be- better choices than the local courts. Ludmilla Yamalova is the managing partner of the legal firm Yamalova and Pleska here in Dubai. As always, Ludmilla, really appreciate it. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. The basics of the UAE legal system. That was another edition of Logical. Don't forget, if you have a legal question you need answered, we're happy to look at it in a future podcast. If you would like a consultation with a qualified legal professional, all you have to do is click on the contact button at lylawyers.com. And remember, we try to answer your legal questions either in a logical, light, bite-sized, quickie podcast or in our slightly more detailed, full-length, logical podcasts, just like this one, every single week.